three, two, one. Thank you for joining us for the Welcome to the Hall podcast, courtesy of the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame and the El Paso Sports Commission. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the best of the best from past inductees into your El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for another edition of Welcome to the Hall. Today we have an outstanding individual inducted into the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame, none other than Don Hearn, the outstanding UTEP head trainer for University of Texas at El Paso. And I'm here with my buddy uh, Asa Costa, our producer. And welcome to the hall, Don. How you doing? Good, Wayne. How are you? I'm very good. And thank you again for doing this. And, of course, we're in the middle of the summer and still, in, I guess, a little bit further along with the pandemic. But a year ago now, it was just unbelievable for you, I'm sure, as a trainer at the university. Yeah, we were we were pretty busy with the uh... – doing quite a quite a bit of testing and you know just trying to figure it out you know because it was uh you know everything every day something would change so we would need to change our protocol you know so we were following the cdc real close as well as our local and state organizations and as well as the environmental health and safety on campus everybody had rules we needed to follow and uh you know, it took a lot of time, but we weren't the only athletic training program that had to deal with it. You know, everybody was. So, um, unfortunately, a lot of athletic trainers have gotten out of the profession because it definitely took its toll on a lot of people. You know, and not just in the sports world. I mean, as across the world, obviously. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> How many trainers do you oversee there at UTEP? Well, I have nine full-time assistants now. Uh, we, uh, our national governing body for athletic trainers has changed our profession as far as the requirements. Now you have to have a master's degree to sit for your, uh, um, national certification. So we used to have five full-time and five graduate assistants. Well, um, or six full-time, well, whatever, we're up to 10 full-time now and no graduate assistants. So, um, it's really good. So we're pretty happy where we where we sit right now. I lost a few, um, not from the from COVID or from the pandemic or anything, but I did have a few people move on this year, and so we're still trying to fill a couple positions. Hopefully, we'll get it done in the next couple weeks. Now, the world of training, we all know, early on was a male dominated field, and when you were named the head trainer at the university, how many female head trainers were there in the? in the United States for all the colleges? Well, at the time when I was promoted, there were only, um, I was one of three and actually, um, uh, one of those, uh, um, colleges did not have football. So I was one of two that was also in charge of football. So, and that was what year? 1995. Man. Yeah. We've come a long ways because I think it's, like 2000 something I can't remember is one of the times when we played Central Florida that was the first time you had two female athletic trainers play each other that were in charge of football first time ever wow at at this level so pretty crazy things have come a long ways now because there's a lot more females out there that that are in charge of football I know a couple of years ago we had the uh, National Girls and Women's Day in Sports at the university, which is celebrated every year throughout the country. And, of course, you were the guest speaker at the event, which, I'm, by the way, I want to say great job that you did as well. And 
speaking to those young people about you being a female growing up in a male dominated world, but you made it happen and, and you're still there and uh, you have a real passion for what you do, don't you? Yes, you have to, you know, the kind of hours you work in college athletics. I mean, not to say the high school athletic trainers don't uh, put their time in too. They certainly do, but they get, most of them get two months off in the summer and we just grind through the summer. Um, but you have to, you know, as an athletic trainer and at any level, you know, you really have to have a passion for what you do because we're pretty much on call 24 seven. Like last, last summer, Tony started coming in on Saturdays for treatments and I'd always been, you know, against that. I need my, my two days during the weekend to recover and take a little time during the summer. But it's, uh, you know, it is year round for us and pretty much 24 seven because they can call us at any time. That's why we have cell phones now. Yeah, that's true. That's changed a lot, I'm sure, with the cell phone rage. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, another <clears throat> thing you have passion for is the water. You love to oh, be yeah. out on the water. You and your sister. How's your sister Jennifer, by the way? Is she good? Yeah, she's doing well. Still uh, keeping the 911 center and IT running over there. So she's doing very well. But yes, I love the water. I'm looking at a picture on my computer that has my three <laughs> dogs on the bow of my boat up at Elephant Butte. You know, so that's, uh, you know, I used to be a big water skier until I had my knee replaced. And Doc said uh, he wouldn't advise me water skiing anymore. And he told me the severity of the injuries he'd seen to a knee from water skiing. And I'm like, well, Doc, I've never tweaked a knee, but... Yeah, I, I don't want to go down that road, so I guess I'll never water ski. I'm, I strictly fish now and have a lot of fun doing that. You were there last weekend, right? Yes, sir. We pulled in probably, I think we got eight walleye over the weekend, you know, from Friday to Monday. So we had a pretty good weekend. And you're from, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, we we replaced what we ate over the weekends and, <laughs> and then some, so it was it was great. <clears throat> so, Don, you sit there and you clean the fish and the whole bit and cook it and the, all that, huh? Oh well, you know, Jenny does the uh, fish cleaning. We have a nice little <laughs> there at the lake, and uh, she uh, learned from my dad with the electric knife, and so she can get those done really quick. Just uh, you know, fillets both sides, and you know, your walleye have to be either 14 or 15 inches. So they're a nice size fish. So doing the fillets is pretty easy with those. We like to catch them over 20 inches because then it's kind of a delicacy if you take the cheeks, you know, so it's, it's really good meat right there on their cheeks, but they got to be decent size for that. Wow. It's nothing like uh, yeah. Long John Silver's in, huh? <laughs> um, not quite. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, we we clean, we keep them. You know, if we have my boat out, we have a live well. If we have the other boat out, you know, we have a cooler that we have the fishing water in and and put, you know, a lot of ice in there. So we keep them real fresh till we're ready to fillet them. So um, you can't get it any better than that, you know. No, you can't. That's that's amazing. The the whole yeah. process. Now you're yeah. from Iowa, right? Originally, I grew up in Illinois and Iowa. We moved to Iowa about the time I got into high school. So I was fortunate because we moved between my freshman and sophomore year in high school. And in the state of Iowa, they play uh, softball, high school softball and baseball during the summers. They start late in May and go through in the state tournaments the beginning of August. So I actually got to have two freshman softball seasons because we moved right as soon as my brother graduated. So 
got there the first week of June and dad took me over and introduced me as softball coach and I got to play a second freshman season. So it was awesome. <laughs> wow. That had and I got really to meet cool. a lot of people that way too, you know, cause moving in the summer, you know, if you, you don't know anybody, so how are you going to meet anybody? So it worked out great for me. And how did our girl come to El Paso? A job. I was, uh, I took, out of grad school, I took the first job offered and it wasn't a good move for me because it was, I was hired by a clinic and then contracted to a hospital and high school and the high school was great, but the hospital, I was, you know, just like an aide in the physical therapy department. And I learned a lot and got some good experience and certainly learned to respect older people a lot more because those people really get after their rehab. I was very impressed with people that came through there that had like knee or shoulder replacements. They were very motivated to get better, you know? So, um, I was impressed with them. I learned from that, but I actually quit. Um, as soon as I went to my national convention that year in June, because I did not want to go back to that job. So I'm traveling around that summer working with the United States Volleyball Association doing their summer camps, and it's the, last, the first week in August, and I'm calling back to Iowa State asking them, hey, are there any jobs out there? Because I don't have a job right now, and I really don't want to go back and live with mom and dad right now, you know, since I just finished paying for all my college. And I've only worked, you know, nine months at a job, so... Uh, they said, yeah, there's a job, an assistant job at UTEP. So I called Dave Binder and, um, you know, they'd already started football. So he was, he was, uh, pushed to get somebody in here because back then, once he hired me, I was his only assistant. He had a couple other people helping him from the community until I got here. And then they continued to help us through camp. So, um, you know, that's how, that's how I strolled down to El Paso. I didn't have any ties. I didn't have any dogs in. I could go wherever. And so I got my, you know, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be in division one athletics and wanted to have that football component because I've always loved football. So, um, you know, I got, I got down here in 1988 and this, what did I start? I think August 9th and, uh, been rolling ever since at UTEP. A lot of changes. <laughs> Definitely. So a lot of changes, but you know, it's amazing that you talk about, uh, coming from here from Iowa and your whole experience and, with Dave Binder, of course, Dave Binder's in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Ross Moore, the famed trainer that uh, many people know of back in the 60s and 70s, he's in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. And now you being in the Hall of Fame, it has to be special to have uh, people be respected for what you do and being in, selected to the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Oh, it's, uh, I, I couldn't tell you. When you called me and uh, told me that I had been inducted I, I, I was speechless, you know, because you just named Ross Moore and Dave Binder. Those guys have done a lot in the profession. You know, Ross was a big innovator. Dave learned from him and I learned a lot of stuff from Dave, you know, that he learned from Ross. So, um, you know, just to be included in an athletic hall of fame as an athletic trainer is very special. And then to follow, you know, the other two guys from UTEP mean, means a lot to me. And I'm sure that being around UTEP basketball didn't hurt either as far as you getting to be able to hang out with Coach Don Haskin. No, that was that was really special to be able to work with him in my career. 
you know, because early on, I can promise you there wouldn't have been a female over there, but he certainly, uh, he took me under his wing. In fact, you know, I talked to him a lot because I was over there a lot because I was working women's basketball. And so when, when Dave was looking to move on, you know, to be perfectly honest, coach Haskins kind of had to push him out the door, you know? So he really, Dave, Dave, uh, definitely coach Haskins meant a lot to Dave and he, uh, you know, listened to what coach said. And, uh, so Dave moved on and then, uh, you know, Dave told me before he left, he goes, you need to get coach Haskins and coach Bailey's blessing. You know, that will certainly help you getting promoted. And, uh, so I went and talked to both, both head coaches and they both endorsed me. And so John Thompson, you know, promoted me. So it was, uh, being able to work with coach, it was great. It took me a long time before I finally figured out what he was talking about when he talked about his, uh, the barbershop Indians. Cause of course I'd never been to a barbershop. So I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I was like, Oh yeah, the posts were just standing around. I get it now. You know, cause he used to call the post barbershop Indians when they wouldn't move, especially oh, yeah. on defense, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you were inducted in 2008 with Bill Berry, Ray Mickens, Buff Morrison, Ron Lyman, and, uh, in fact, Bob Stoll was that year, Bob Hainsworth, yep. Joe Kaplowitz, Steve Kaplowitz's dad. Uh, boy, that was a, a special night for you, I'm sure. It was. It was a great class to be inducted with, you know, because I didn't know uh, – um, Ray at all. And I got to know him a little bit. So it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, just talking to everybody and, you know, we had a couple of events we did. So it was, it was fun getting to know him. Of course, I'd seen Bill Barry in the training room quite a bit, you know, as a runner. So he and I were already good friends. So I saw one of our team physicians was there that used to run a lot with Bill on the night we were inducted. So, um, you know, Dr. Jackson probably felt pretty good when I was mentioning, you know, I don't, uh, I didn't get where I got by myself. You know, I've had a ton of help with our team physicians. Um, and Dr. Jackson's still one of those. And he was, he was there and, uh, you know, it was just, it was a great event and I had a lot of fun with it. And so sorry that Bill Barry passed away too early in life. And, uh, yes, he did. and you know, yes, he one, did. another person you work with as well, that's in the El Paso Lily hall of fame. And a lot of people may not, be aware of him, but those that are around UTEP know definitely who he is, and that's Dr. Billy Dickey. Yes, yes. He, um, yeah, he was he was a lot of fun to work with. I'll never forget when we were out in Hawaii one time, and you know he always had his his own car, and um, you know I think I only went over there once with Coach. Um, now that I think about it, and he and Coach would always you know sit together, and for whatever reason. I could not get coach in first class. So he and Dr. Dickey uh, didn't let me sleep at all, all the way back. And they uh, kept, kept telling me that, you know, they didn't have enough room in their seats. And I'm the one that's in the middle of the middle world. Oh, you know? wow. That yeah. So I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. You know, in the past when that's happened, we've always, I'm trying to remember the basketball coach's name. I, uh, coach Wallace, wasn't it? At yeah, Hawaii? Raleigh, Raleigh Wallace. Yes. 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 He would, he would make it happen for us. But I, um, that, that particular trip, they had no first class seats available. Wow. And <laughs> yeah. you know, it's amazing that his son, I don't know if you know his son, Gary Dickey. Yeah. And of course his son, 
Uh, Dr. Dickey's yep. grandson is now the athletic director at Boise State, mm-hmm. Jeremiah Dickey. And yep. in fact, I talked to Jeremiah last week because uh, I plan to go up to Boise to see that game when you play Utah, when they play. But I was cool. talking to him because he, he grew up in our basketball leagues and the McDonald's leagues at, in Parks and Recreation. And uh, he was saying, I can't believe it. My first, my first home game is against my former school. <laughs> right, I know. He actually worked at UTEP for a while. Yes, you know, and then, uh, he he got with Mac Rhodes, and you see what Mac's done. And I'm not surprised Jeremiah's done the same thing. He's he's a great administrator and does a really good job. You know, yeah. I was hoping I was hoping he was going to come here, but we're pretty good with Jim Center right now. I'll take Jim. You know, because yeah, things are going job. well. Yes, yes, you're right. you're right. Definitely so. <laughs> Now, do you uh, ever get back to Iowa? Uh, not so much anymore. We, my dad's moved down here now. We moved him down in the middle of the pandemic in April of last year. Um, so it's nice having dad down here. And my brother's the only one left up there. And, in fact, he's driving down right now. He's going to stay down here for a month with us. Oh, so, um, And when he retires, I know he's going to end up down here because He's not liking using the snowblower too much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a couple of good friends that still live up there and, and we try and hook up about every five years around, you know, when you get our age, you don't celebrate birthdays every year. It's every five years. So we try and uh, there's, there's only one that lives right there in town and another one that lives in Kirksville, which is a little over an hour away. And then the other three of us are, across the United States, out in uh, New Jersey, Wisconsin, and I'm down here in El Paso. So we're planning something for next summer. I don't know if it'll be an I'm not sure where it's going to be, but I do have a couple of good friends that still live there. But only being in high school for three years, it's kind of funny. When they talk about people from way back, I'm like, who? <laughs> you know, I just, I just don't remember them quite as well because, I, you know, I didn't grow up there. So, but it's... Uh, you know, I was nice during the summer, and I, I miss the snow, but I don't miss that stink and wind chill. You know, I went back four Christmases in a row when my mom got sick, and that first uh, Christmas, the temperatures were in the single digits the whole time, and the wind chill was in the minus teens. My husky loved it. You know, I'd take them out, and they, we'd be out for an hour. I'd have my full, full coveralls on, and the only thing you could see were my eyes, you know, because I did not. I'd find it tree to stand next to and just turn them loose at the park <laughs> I, I and they'd run no it's cold 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 yeah it is it's that's a different type of cold up there different yes type. it is now yep. um the training world has it changed a lot and I, I know it's changed a lot but first of all you know as a basketball coach for many or a football coach at a high school uh, they could be walking down the halls and they see an individual and they say, you know, you should be a football player. You should be a basketball player. You need to come out for the team. Uh, but as far as high school trainers, I'm, I'm sure you deal a lot with the high schools here in El Paso. Um, do you get enough trainers from the high schools or from anywhere to be able to supplement your staff each year as you uh, move on? As student trainers, yeah, we've been pretty fortunate because – the high school trainers here in town and even, you know, I have several athletic trainers that are across the state of Texas that have graduated out of the program. You know, it just takes a phone call from one of them to get their student in. You know, we, we've formalized it a little bit more, but I can't, 
think of anybody that's ever, any student that's ever interviewed with us that we haven't led into the program. You know, it's one of those things where a lot of them have done it in high school and they're like, yeah, I'm going to continue to do that. And they get to the college level and it's a lot more hours. It's a lot more demanding, you know, just like it is being a college athlete as opposed to being a high school athlete. You know, so we require a lot more at this level. And, you know, I haven't really had to fire too many student trainers. They kind of find their niche. They either find it or say, yeah, you know what? I don't think this is what I want to do. And, you know, I have a lot of kids that come out of the program and, and go on to PT school and things like that as well. So, um, you know, it's always nice to have a plethora. I can't say that we've had a ton, but we stay right around 20, which is a pretty good, pretty good number because we've tried to back off their hours. You know, when we came through the programs. It was one of those when you aren't class, you're mine. You know, so we've kind of backed off that mentality a little bit. Um, that we're still pretty demanding on, on their time. So <laughs> I can imagine it. And you know, the explosion of women's sports as well, I'm sure that's put a lot of uh, a stress in many ways on that area as well, right? Well, that's why we've gotten to hire more staff, you know, because we did add two big women's sports since I've been at UTEP with softball and soccer. And so, you know, you're adding 60 athletes right there. Um, so we were able to, we have, uh, full-time trainers of both those sports now, or we used to have graduate assistants. So, um, yeah, so many things have changed. That's why I always tell everybody when you quit learning in this profession, you're done. You know, Michael Phelps, they saw all those cupping, um, you know, marks left on him and the, the cupping, you know, went crazy as well as I can't remember the, uh, beach volleyball athlete, but you know, she had the kinesio tape. So that, you know, that got really popular and we've gotten a lot away from a lot of the modalities, you know, the machines, you know, just hooking them up to ice and stem or doing an ultrasound. Well, we still use the ultrasound a lot. It's a little different, but you know, we've done doing a lot more manual therapy and hands-on stuff, not so much massage. You know, that's where you have your cupping and your scraping and, you know, a lot of athletic trainers are coming out and they're, they're getting the dry needling certification because the, uh, that is, that's something uh, we're really good. If you've never had it, everybody's like, I'm not getting any needles. And I said the same thing until I couldn't get a massage because my trigger points were too tender. So I was like, go get the needles. And, you know, if I hadn't had it done on myself, I don't know if I would be that much of an advocate. But I see the results and I see the results with our athletes. And it's pretty, it's a really good thing. A lot of people are, are you know, that. I have one athletic trainer now that's dry needle certified and I just lost two last year. So we're trying to, we kind of look for them and, and a couple of my assistants right now want to get uh, certified in that, but it's a expensive class to take and it's an all, it's a two day thing, I believe. So um, <laughs> them finding the time and uh, to try and get it done is a challenge too. Over the last year, how many COVID tests have you given? Um, and one week, you know, because if you think about it, football, football, men's, women's, basketball, and volleyball had to test three times a week when they are in season. And, uh, let's see, soccer had to test twice. We were testing track twice a week, even though they only required it once because they come back from a road trip. So we want to test them on that Monday. And then we wanted to go ahead and get them tested again 
on Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when they were leaving, just to make sure, because we didn't want any of our kids traveling with it. We wanted to make sure everybody was healthy. So I can't imagine the typical week um, when everybody was testing three times a week, four to 500 tests a week. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. We were very fortunate that we had that set up on campus. So, you know, we would test, they would actually come to us and do football just because of the numbers we had. So there were several mornings because we were testing football Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings at 6 a.m. And we'd throw cross country in there too because they were training and they had to be tested because they were competing in the fall. So we'd have them in the mornings, and sometimes we'd have another team or two, you know, right after, uh, right after football got done, just trying to get everybody done, yeah. you know, because campus was staying, you know, not super busy because it was still a lot of online classes or mostly on, it was all online pretty much in the fall, except for a handful of stuff with labs and things like that. But, you know, as far as the, some of the other departments were open on campus, so they were all testing as well. Have you ever looked out there to that building to your right of the Durham Center and say to people, you know, that used to be our training facility? That used to be our building? where we Definitely. It was kind of special having your own building, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was named after Ross Moore, so that, that was always special to me. But, you know, we outgrew it. We just didn't have enough space was the problem. Yeah, that's uh, true. Not all, you know, when it was built, I don't think there were women's athletics at UTEP at the time when they first started it. And so, you know, it was, it was a huge upgrade from where Ross was working before because it's the, where he was is the storage room for track now. So it's at the end of that little hallway there at Kid Field. That Uh, was the old training room. So you could see the slanted, uh, the slanted, um, walls you know from the stands yes but it was was small you know so when he got to move into basically his facility i mean what a tremendous upgrade and same thing happened when we moved to the Durham center you know it was big and i'm not going to say we've outgrown it but you can always use more space yes (laughs) did you ever meet ross moore no i did not unfortunately he passed in 77 and i didn't get down here until 88 Right. And that was, uh, I didn't get into, um, well, I started at Iowa State as an athletic trainer. I didn't start when I first got there. I was in fishery and wildlife biology. I wanted to be a park ranger, but <laughs> I didn't want to keep taking, I didn't want to keep taking all those chemistry and biology classes because I kept saying, I just want to be a park ranger, you know, to look for forest fires and things like that. So, um, you know, my mom told me I need to go talk to somebody in phys ed, so I don't think I got in, I want to say 81 or 82, so I didn't even get into athletic training until he'd already passed, but I, I've i heard a lot of stories. Oh yeah, there's a lot of them, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I I thought you would also be very good as a game warden. Those got to be the most vicious people you can meet sometimes, is those game wardens, man. When they see people fishing without a license, or, I mean, they're about to tear your head off. Well, it's funny because they've come over to us a lot, you know, because we're out there fishing. And, you know, after a while, they'll see my boat and be like, oh, I know they have fishing license, so they leave us alone. But they, uh, we, I, this was probably three summers ago, and we had two different boats out. 
and they stopped my sister first, and then they came over and they said, hey, you know those dogs have to have vests on, don't you? And I said, excuse me? I said, no, I've never heard of that rule before. And they were just giving me a hard time because Jenny sent them over there to me to give me a hard time about the dogs needing to have uh, vests on. I said, oh, they're pretty good swimmers. You want me to throw one over and see? <laughs> but all my dogs have been, they've all loved the water, and they've all, even the Husky. He, he, he used to just float a lot of times. It went over on the river, so... Well, I'm sure you've been a part of many sporting events at UTEP for all the sports, but is there one that stands out in your mind as your greatest memory, and or is there one of the um, athletes that you work with that that's very special as well? Well, I mean, there have been so many special teams come through here and athletes. It's hard to single out everything, but I always go back to my first year, the 1988 football season, when we played at Hawaii. Uh, the band was there and we came back from the game and it was always a high injury game when we played Hawaii, whether it was here or over on the Island. And we got back to the hotel on our, and on our particular bus, the bus driver taught us a Hawaiian song. So everybody was singing and having a great time. Then we got back to the hotel and the band was out on the, on all their balconies and they were playing the fight song and everybody was so fired up. Cause it's hard to win when you go over to Hawaii because of the travel and they all, they've always had a good football team. And so everybody was fired up and everybody gets off the bus and starts singing the fight song. And, you know, I have goosebumps just thinking about it. And as far as special athletes, again, there've been a ton, um, you know, Quentin Dems came by yesterday. I've missed him the last couple of times he's been in town, but you know, El Paso really grows on you. He's really thinking about moving back here, you know, to town, you know, course the jones brothers and then let's go back even further the whole 88 team was you know they just took me under their wing because i came in and they just thought i was another student trainer when i first got there um and once they found out i was a full-time assistant several of them came up and apologized to me i'm like no you guys didn't know who i am i needed to earn your respect you know that's a big thing for me you got to earn their respect and uh you know we have some young uh, athletic trainers that come in and hear the way I talk to some of them and then they think they can do the same thing. It's like, whoa, 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 earn their respect and you do that by working hard. And, and you know, the athletes pick up on that real quick when, uh, you know, when they see somebody working hard, they gravitate towards those people. Yep. But sorry, I'm, I'm getting off track. Uh, other athletes, um, you know, Thomas Howard, talking about somebody who passed long before their time. You know, and that's why we have a, uh, he was special. That's why we have a, uh, award for him every year, uh, that's given to one of the, uh, walk on athletes and it's from any sport actually. Um, you know, they have a foundation, they have an endowment. And so, uh, Thomas's mom comes in every year and, uh, presents, uh, that athlete. I think there were two this year presents them with a scholarship. So it's pretty, you know, he was pretty special. Um, gosh, you know, I could go on and on, you know, and Brian Nack and, and, and Stacey, oh, I can't remember her last name off the top of my head, a volleyball player. You know, they were two of my favorites because they were here at the same time. Um, yeah. You know, Holly Russ, you know, just an outstanding basketball player. You know, I still actually talk to Holly about, oh, twice a year. But, you know, she's just a great person, you know, and does so much 
for youth sports down in Florida now. And she's actually a basketball official at the high school level. So I could go on and on. I'm looking at the 100-year, the Centennial team up there at UTEP, and I'm just looking at all those men and women that, you know, have done so much, you know, Baron Worthen. You know, I have a big poster of him in my in my office. I taped his ankles every day. He never went to anybody else to get taped because came to me the first time. I like the way you taped and just kept coming back. And I was the assistant then. I wasn't the head trainer then. You know, so just great people. You know, Johnny Lee Higgins and Thomas were playing for the Raiders, and I got to go out and see them play in a game. You know, they'll always get you tickets. Aaron got me tickets. You know, Will Hernandez says, when are you coming to see me? And I'm like, dude, I couldn't go anywhere last year, but hopefully this year. But I don't want to go up to New York, and hopefully he's playing somewhere somewhere in the south in December, <laughs> you know. Because it's fun to go watch those guys play. When I went up to see Aaron, Roy uh, Robertson, they were playing the Bears, so I got to see both of them in one trip. You know, unfortunately, Roy didn't get to play, couldn't play in that game. They uh, DQ'd him that morning or inactivated him that morning. You know, he goes, John, I'm at least 92%. And I said, that's not good enough at this level. you got to be 100% because they just uh, inactivated him that morning. Right. Because he came walking over because we went early so we could see him when they were warming up and stuff. And he came over and, and talked to us because we were down at the, you know, right there at the bottom of the stands. And he came over, he goes, you're going to be mad at me. And I'm like, no, I actually get to see you. So that's, you know, fun. It would have been more fun to see him play, but it is what it is. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you know, finally, in reference to the city of El Paso and the people of El Paso, uh, oh. they're special too, I'm sure. Oh, what a great place to live. You know, I, like I said earlier, El Paso really grows on you. And when I was inducted in the Hall of Fame, you know, I said El Paso is home for me. And my mom couldn't get to me quick enough. She goes, oh, El Paso's home. And I said, Mom, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. And she's like, oh, well, I guess that's right. And I said, home is where the heart is. So if I'm at your house, then that's home <laughs> at the time. You know, so, but yeah, I mean, the people of El Paso, I always say it's a big city with a small town atmosphere. When we drove into Iowa for the first time, people are sitting out on their porch and as you drive by, everybody waves. I'm like, you know, I kind of had a bad attitude moving to Iowa. And I'm like, why are they waving at us? They don't even know us. And I'm like, well, that's Iowa. And it is, you know, when you meet somebody from the Midwest, you know, everybody's just down to earth and El Paso is a lot like that. You know, if you need something fixed at your house, you can ask somebody and they may not know, but they know somebody they can ask or, you know, they know somebody. So you can always, you know, I always talk to our facility guys and say, Hey, you guys ever do anything outside of work? And of course they say no. And then they say, well, talk to me later, you know, because <laughs> a lot of those, you know, it's, I you trust those people because you work with them day in and day out, you know? So that if they don't, if they can't do it, they know somebody that can do it. So, you know, I get a lot of referrals that way. In fact, one of the football coaches was just asked me the other day and I was like, well, I don't have anybody, but I know somebody that does. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's awesome. the way everything is here. It's awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, I think of Iowa and so, I don't know if you know, uh, Sarge over at Fox 92 does the morning show. He, He's a big Iowa fan for football, and uh, he loves football from Iowa, and we always talk about it sometimes. And I don't know if you know Joe Anderson. His daughter is Jocelyn Anderson. Yeah. She used to play volleyball. Oh, yeah. They're from Iowa as well. Definitely. Uh, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. 
it's a it's an amazing place but uh Don, I really appreciate you doing this. It was a lot of fun talking to you and also talking about your great fishing life. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate it, Wayne. It's definitely special to talk to you all the time and the, to be in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I never dreamed of anything like that, and I really don't think I've done anything that special in my career. I just work hard and try and look out for the health and safety of our athletes. That's, you know, that's why I'm in it. I'm better than you, Don. Always good to see you. Always good to talk to you. And also your sister as well. And uh, all the best to her and her family as well. And thank you again for doing this. All right. You bet. Take, Take care. care. You too now. Don Hearn, ladies right. gentlemen, the greatest trainer you ever would know. UTEP does an outstanding job. Welcome to the hall and all the very best to all of you. And thank you to my buddy Ace as our producer. And all of you have a great, great day. <laughs>